Welcome once again to Oakwood Connect. I am excited. I am here with two brothers now, John and Jelani. And we're going to be looking at what Jesus meant when he said to enter in through the narrow gate. Brethren, the group is growing. Oh man, it's good to be here again. I'm enjoying these podcasts. <laughs> Me too, bro. I, I was at camp meeting, wondering, you know, what have they been able to meet? And I was pleasantly uh, surprised when I saw two recordings uh, of my brothers, and oh. you guys did a great job. I think with the three of us here, these will no longer be 30 minutes long. No, no sir. So sit no. down and get yourself something to drink. <laughs> hope we have a sandwich. <laughs> hope, hope you ate. <laughs> hope you have a, maybe you're stuck in traffic, and I'm not hoping you're stuck in traffic, but in Detroit, you don't have to hope for that. It's inevitable. Uh, and hopefully this will help you carry through that 40 minute <laughs> commute. Um, you guys have done a great job in segueing through all of these different principles and um, today we're going to be looking at something that can be easily turned into something Jesus didn't mean it, something that is negative, something that is like, oh man, you know, castor oil type of a thing. Mm-hmm. Um, we don't want to go that route, but at the same time, Jesus does present this stark reality of what it means to be a Christian, to follow him. Hey, John, why don't you read for us Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Sure, and it says, uh, again, Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. It says, Enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leads to destruction. And there may be, and there are many who go in by it, because narrow is the gate, and difficult is the way which leads to life, and there are few who find it. Mm. So <clears throat> there's definitely a, a stark warning here, and we can definitely see some some warnings of it will be easy for you to find a path that will not lead you to life. The path to life actually is narrow. We were, we were discussing some of these things prior to the recording. Um, why don't, John, you begin to kind of wet our minds, soak our minds with some of the thoughts that we have preparing us for the the expanding of what we're trying to see here in Jesus. Sure. So you know, right away, what I uh, what I what I see, what I think about is, you know, not only were these just words, there was a scenery around Christ at the time when he spoke mm-hmm. these words, and at the time in Palestine, they had their cities were built up on mountains, on hills, and they were a a city of it was a walled city. It was a city of walls, and as you went up the path to go to the to go through the gate to the city it became you know it was rocky and it was na- it would get narrow and more narrow and at, there was a there was a curfew at night you know it wasn't very safe and so at some time they would close that gate mm-hmm. and if you were left out you were left out they didn't open it back up <clears throat> so so right behind you know with with just the words here you have this this picture of, of what he's talking about there there is this uh, uh, visuals the visual but there's this uh, what do I want path there's this path and it, it starts off big and as it goes up it gets more narrow and more narrow and as we were talking we were talking about how the the Christian life is definitely that way you know we're told that the gospel goes out to everyone right mm-hmm. and that is absolutely true but then there's this path <laughs> that you have to take and uh, it does get a little rocky sometimes, and it does get a little narrow. And so, you know, right away, I, I just, that's what I see. It's well, I'm glad you're bringing these visuals because I hadn't looked at it that, in that perspective. And as you were talking, I began to realize that 
that is what Jesus was using the, the landscape right. in that area. And in a similar way, we have issue right now with you know immigrants. I was just reading this morning a Christian article related to the immigrants coming into our country and the landscape around Arizona and Texas. Mm. And immigrants cannot just you know walk into and find the cities, Laredo or you know McAllen or all these cities. They need these individuals called coyotes. And these coyotes, you know, what they look for is mountain, mountains and ridges, and they're familiar with the landscape. And that becomes the way, but that becomes the way to them. But if you and I were dropped in Arizona in the middle of the day and said, okay, make it to McAllen, Texas, we would die because it's so broad. Mm. It is only when you get closer to the city that you begin to actually see the way into the city. But you have to get to the city first. And that path is extremely broad. Actually, there is no path. You just have to know which direction to walk towards the city. And when Jesus is uh, mentioning this, of course, they probably are close to the city and the way can be seen. And there is this contrast of being able to find versus being able to enter. Mm -hmm. And you may find the city and say, oh, there's the gate, still open. I'm gonna go and look at these goats and look at these cows and never realizing that the door, the gate might be shut. And th- though you may have found the city, finding is not the all-in-all goal. It's actually entering into the, the gate. So those are the images that I think are, are going to help us paint this picture of what it means to us spiritually, that it's not sufficient to simply say, there's a gate and there's a path. It gets narrower and there's the, the, the entrance to it. The, like you said, John, there came, there came a time when that gate was shut. Mm-hmm. And even if you knew how to get in, having found it was not sufficient. Right. You had to enter it. Absolutely. And so what we're talking, you know, and so as this applies to us, right, um, this, the, this path is the part that even as Christians, we're a little uncomfortable talking about well, this, Well, let's be we? honest. Let's be honest. Who does not want a wide path? Listen, if I have a choice whether to go through something hard or easy, guess what choice I want to make? Ah, yes. Easy choice, mm-hmm. right? I just want to go there. I don't want to have difficulty. I don't want to have issues. I don't want to go through that. But, you know, this verse is applying there's a choice one that you have to get on this path. And then not just get on it, but then you have to enter a way that may be a little bit more difficult, maybe a little bit more harder for you to navigate. Right. Mm-hmm. And guess what? My flesh wants to go that way, easy. Don't give me this narrow business. So I have some problem with this as a human. Y'all got to help me out with that. Well, you know, it's what fun- are you talking about? It's, it's funny you say that because, you know, one of the one of the first uh, uh, sermons that I preached, uh-huh. I, I titled it Give Me Convenience or Give Me Death. Uh-huh. And the reason that I picked that title <laughs> was because it was my it, it was my story of why I was an atheist. Right. You know, that was a that was the title of a of a of a record for the kids out there, a, uh, a download uh, or whatever you call it. I was almost saying CD, but even that's even outdated. Streaming now. Thank you, thank you. But it was a title of a CD, though, of a band that I really liked. And I saw that title as a, a give me convenience and give me death. And I was like, aha, that's it. I don't want anything hard. Right. If it's hard, yeah. then I don't, then, and you could even philosophize it. If it's hard, then it wasn't <laughs> meant to be, right? But what that leads to, is this this wide, not the narrow, the opposite? What that leads to is all <laughs> the problems of the world that you have, yeah. right? Um, 
So I thought it would be easier, but it wasn't any easier. That's right. And then when I got on the narrow path, now all of a sudden, the Bible contradicts that. The Bible does not say, hey, this is an easy path. Not at all. It says that this is, he's, you know, Jesus says in another part that you know, if you put my yoke on, it's still a yoke. Mm-hmm. It's still hard, but it's way easier than what you were doing. Right. Yeah. Well, I, I, I'm listening to both of you, and having lived in the country, driven country roads that are mostly, you know, 35 miles an hour, speed limit. <clears throat> I'm thinking, like, Satan comes up to Jelani and would say, Jelani, what would you prefer, brother? A 35-mile-an-hour road or right. this four-lane highway? Right. Here's mm-hmm. that. And 70 miles an hour. And in some of the parts, it will say, um, use your judgment. So you can go as fast <laughs> as, you, right. as your car can, you know, your, your sports vehicle that you have parked outside can, can take it, right? So, Jelani, which one, which one do you want? 70 miles an hour, four-lane highway? Man, I want the 70. Let me fly. Exactly. Yeah. And then you go in Detroit, right? And it, though the speed limit says 70 miles an hour, people are driving at five miles an hour because Jesus says many go there too. Right. Everybody gets suckered into the four-lane yeah. highway. Yeah. And then you got this humongous five-mile pileup of cars. But if you would have taken the country road, right. you are going at 35 miles an hour. It is slower, but you're moving. Right. And that's what Satan doesn't tell you, right? right? And it's actually a lot more scenic and pretty. So, mm. it, Jesus, no, so the end result, that it may be slow, it may be, but at least you're moving and it's steady. And the end result, you is, get to where you want to go, right? And whereas in in the in this model, I mean, I was going to a Bible study two three weeks ago, and it's a big truck with sand toppled over on mm. seventy five. And there's one person that came to the Bible study. She lives like 15 min- minutes away from her house, from her job. Mm-hmm. It took her three hours to get from her wow. house to, because of that. So everybody wants to go the highway. Everybody wants the broad way. And what Satan doesn't tell you is you're not going to be the only one there. Right. There's going to be a whole bunch of other people that are going to be bumper to bumpers, <laughs> honking and you know saying all those colorful words. Uh, it's not a pleasant journey. Um, and Jesus says, that's the wide, wide gate. Mm-hmm. It's like Jesus is, is the reality check man. He, he tells you reality for what it really is. Right. Satan distorts reality and he makes it seem like the highway is the most, the wide, ample way is the way to go. But Jesus says many go there and are miserable the entire time and then they never get to their destination. Right. So why even consider that as an option? The narrow way may sound, like we said earlier, inconvenient or hard, but the hard part is not that God makes it hard. It's hard because we're sinners, and God is trying to transform us from sinners into righteous individuals. Sin, that's the problem. You know, we, from the beginning of time, this has been an issue for the human race. And, uh, you know, it may seem that sin and fun and, and, and doing whatever you feel is good for yourself, which seems to be the theme of the world today. Mm-hmm. You know, do what makes you happy, you know. Um, but but the, the Bible says sin leads to death. Right. Now, you can either die with the hope of the resurrection or you die with no hope. And so, yes, we fight sin and, and we don't... Uh, um, want sin in our lives, but then there's another that you know our flesh loves that we, we it leans towards that and we want to do those things But now this is asking us not to and be specific You have to basically remove those things out of your life and allow God to now come in so, so, and control you So let me ask a very you difficult choice sometimes. Let, let me ask you guys because we didn't this is like on impromptu <laughs> Are you guys on the narrow way? 
Yeah. I, oh, absolutely. How do you know? I know I'm How do you know you're in the narrow way? Because I measure my life and what God is asking me to do and my character, like things that I have done in the past or um, uh, temper or choices and these type of things where I would literally not even think about now that I have engrossed in God's way, his character, looking at the Bible and looking at my own life, I'm like, uh-oh, this don't measure up. I need to change some things here. Okay. That's how I know because I don't, my character is changing. I don't do the things that I used to do. I become um, better at challenges and overcoming them and, and these things. That's how I know I'm on the narrow path. You know, it's a, it is a great question because... You, we do this to ourselves, right, as Christians. Okay, where am I on that narrow path exactly? And you ask that question, and I can say, and, and I think this is important for us, by the way, as Christians, to go ahead and, and say, yeah, I am on that path. You know, that's a good thing to say, if you can say it. And you, so you ask the question, how do you know? Is that a trick question, by the way? <laughs> it's, a sincere, it's a sincere question, bro. Never trust a pastor. No, uh, uh, the the uh, I'm wearing flip flops right now. I'm, I'm it could be a setup. The reason that you know that you're on the path, in my opinion, is sometimes you just kind of come to, and you realize I'm doing something that I don't really want to do, but I am doing it because, and I find joy in doing it. By the way, and it is, it, it does go, uh, it. It's in line with what the scriptures tell us. And so that's the first thing. What do the scriptures tell us? Are we in line with it? And are we doing it not because we feel like we have to? It's just part, you know, it makes me think of when Jesus says, uh, um, uh, when he separates the lambs from the goats and they say, I, you know, when? When did we see you? When did we do those things? Mm. Sometimes you come to and you're like, I'm, I'm doing something that I wouldn't really, normally I wouldn't do. I'm doing this for somebody else, mm. you know? And so in my opinion, those are those, those are those landmarks that show that, yeah, you are on that right path. Now, there's this fine line that us human beings like to do, though. We want mm. to say, we almost want to say those are merits, right? Yeah. Look, Jesus, I, I did these things. You know, I always <laughs> kind of do this thing jokingly where I say, look, Jesus, look what I'm doing. You owe me, you know, you owe me heaven. Uh, that's not what I'm talking about. When you're going against what you, you your sinful uh, nature wants, when you're going against it, and you almost don't even realize it anymore. That question, some of the, that question might be better suited to ask your wife than your kids. Are you on that path? Right. That's, <laughs> that's true. That's, that's, really right true. <laughs> that's, that's really a good, good wise answer yeah. because we can self-deceive ourselves right. you know, all day long and say, well, you know, I, I, I'm finally picking up my laundry, my dirty laundry from mm -hmm. the floor. What a sacrifice. Right. <laughs> and your wife's looking at you like, well, I did that for you. I don't know how many years for you uh, until your knucklehead, you know, realized that you shouldn't be doing those things. Um, we can all set our own standard of difficulty. Right. 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 And we can all say, well, Lord, I am, I am uncomfortable. Therefore, I am in the path. But that question, other people may be better suited to, to answer, answer whether right. the, the path is changing me, it's affecting me. Because I do appreciate both of you guys hated that. Whatever the experience is, it should not leave us the same way. Right. Um, for me, you know, you mentioned merit. Uh, sometimes we look at what Jesus says, you know, the narrow way, finding the narrow way and staying in the narrow way. We automatically think about, you know, putting ourselves at harm's danger for the sake of the gospel, doing uncomfortable things, doing huge things. But I began to, in my mind, think, well, 
um, along that journey, Paul talks about in Hebrews 12, about this race, he says that therefore, since we have so, so great a cloud of witnesses, there's other people that have found this way. And Hebrews 11 lists them. Uh, let us also set aside every encumbrance or every weight, mm-hmm. King James. Let us get rid of extra weight, extra baggage. And the sin which so, this is a sad word here, so easily entangles us. Mm-hmm. Sin can easily it messes up. Yeah. And when it does, I think that defining the narrow way is not reverting to the way that I maybe used to do in Christianity, which was merit-driven where I, I've messed up, now I have to do a couple of good deeds so that I can approach God and make things right with Him. There's nothing that grates against human pride than faith and grace. Yeah. The grace that Jesus says, I forgive you, um, pick yourself back up, I know you, you promised me you wouldn't do it again, I know you promised me that this was the last time, but I know you better than you know yourself. <laughs> get back up, get on this race, and learn because sin will easily entangle you again. Um, Mrs. White speaks about you know the moments in our Christian experience in which we experience failure, that they can become beneficial in that they can become landmarks like buoys mm-hmm. in, in the ocean. You're like, oh, there's a, there's a rock right there that sank my ship. So I'm gonna put something there that serves as a landmark so that I can learn how to navigate through this path of the narrow way better because it doesn't end. Right. This narrow way, once you find yeah. it, the biggest temptation is to stay on it. I'm so, glad you said race. Uh, you know, be, you remember the verse that says the race is not given to the swift or to the strong, but the one who endures. Mm-hmm. You know, this thing is an endurance thing, life. You know, God is constantly chiseling things off of us and, and getting us the way um, he wants us or where he wants us to be. It's not a quick fix. This is a lifelong journey, this mm-hmm. narrow path, uh, searching, finding, and staying on. Mm-hmm. You know, so for, for us as Christians, you know, sometimes we can get into this, oh, I've arrived mentality, where like, no, you ain't arrived anywhere. You know, you gotta, you know, uh, this thing is a lifetime thing. <laughs> you, 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 have, you, you haven't done anything. Sometimes you feel puffed up and like, man, you know, I do this, I do that, I do that. I preach, I, you know, and, and knowing good and well that the rest of the week you live in ridiculous and, and, and yelling at your wife and doing all this stuff. And so, so God is saying, listen, man, just because you find that path doesn't mean you can stay on it. You need or you've it. entered it. Right. <clears throat> or you've entered it. So I think it's a lifelong process and endurance. This, I love how you put that as a race. Because life can, you know, we, we sometimes get so uh, focused, you know, and things around us, our temporal issues, our problems, you know, I'm working 16 hours, two days in a row, you know what I'm saying, my eyes is red and all this stuff, <laughs> and I'm like, you know, it's sleep deprived, right, sleep deprived and all these things, and Poor some, kids. man, and sometimes those things, can, a boy that <laughs> still needs to be converted, oh, like come Hermione. on somebody, come on. <laughs> But you can do these things and then look it and then you can say, oh, I can skip prayer. I can skip because God understands that I'm physically tired. And and so you can get tricked into saying, oh, because I have a head knowledge, I don't necessarily have to do these things that kept me on the path. And that's a danger. Mm -hmm. And I think that's why I'm saying that it's an endurance thing here. You know, we're we're talking about all these things without using the actual words, I think. You know, there is this, what Jesus is talking about here is there is this... We have this problem, right? This self, 
esteem. I don't know if that's the right word, but uh, pride. We, we have this go pride there, we? Go problem. There and, talk about and, and Christ asks us, before he gets to this verse, and the verses before this, mm -hmm. he talks about humility. Mm -hmm. He talks about us being humble. And there is a self-sacrifice that's involved with Christianity. And and that's that's what we're talking about here. But we haven't talked, but we haven't said the words. There is a sacrificial part of being a Christian, and you can't do it and enjoy it without humility. Mm -hmm. So you know, there's a process that Christ is going through here. So again, when you're at the bottom of this analogy, when you're at the the beginning of this path, and it's real big, because again, the gospel goes to everyone. Well, now it. There's the humility part. There's the sacrificial mm -hmm. part of this. That that's where people start to fall off. Self denial. Right? I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. Self denial. Part. Self denial part. Yeah, there you go. The self denial part. So that's what we're talking about here. Is that and this is what Christ is talking about. So when you know Adventists, we love to quote James where he says, "Faith without works is dead." Mm -hmm. Right? And we say, "See, that means you got to follow the law and you have to have faith." And that applies. It absolutely does. We can't follow nothing but without you, God. I mean, I'm, I, let's be honest. Right. We, we we will say that just like you were saying, we have all these things, but when in reality, we don't have anything. <coughs> the right. Hu the humility part of this equation is the part that Mercy. we're going to struggle with forever yeah. you know yeah. i mean and until you know jesus comes back but this is the part that is that 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 path it is that path. You know, i like that i think that when you look at chapter 7 matthew chapter 7 verse 7 you know it's saying ask and it shall be given to you seek and you shall find knock and it shall be open to you the process is is asked you and then it's saying seeking and then knocking so you're actively participating in doing something that is uh, this process that we're talking about, asking for the Holy Spirit to remove certain things from you, asking God to come upon you and, and to change your character. It, it is uh, taking pride away. It's it's the, you're involved in doing these things. Oh, the, the, uh, sorry, the, but here we have three men here right now. And let me ask you, how hard is it for us to ask because we need something? Yeah, mm -hmm. It's really hard, isn't it? So that's the humility part. He says, ask, and it sounds so wonderful, right? But that's really hard to do. Um, John, you might be able to relate with this. You know, when I got sick, when I was first diagnosed with cancer and mm -hmm. I had to ask for help, mm -hmm. that was one of the most humbling things in the world. Listen, I can't do listen, certain things. I, I was hit financially. Right? Yeah, absolutely. And medical bills and all that. I had to make a GoFundMe page. I was it was the hardest it's thing. It's embarrassing. It, was it goes against yeah. everything that right. a man is supposed to be. It goes against all of those things. Listen, my, my, my wife comes to me and, you know, I'm working in the yard and, you know, I'm doing some manly work, right? So she knows that I need some help on this one thing. What do, you, do you think I ask for help? I'm like, no, 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 I don't need it. No, and then when I'm eat, taking Tylenol and I'm, 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 <laughs> I'm, my back is tearing me up, right? Mm -hmm. I was like, man, why was I so ridiculous? Why didn't I ask for help? You yep. see what I'm saying? Yeah, this is this is where we're at. I, I love so that. I'm and glad I, you guys have you know done this um, because the whole time I'm thinking of a question. We talk about you know Jacob wrestling with God. Mm -hmm. When was Jacob wrestling with God? When he was fighting against them, or when he was clinging to the angel, saying, to "I will not let you go unless right. you bless me." Mm -hmm. Right. The, the wrestling part, the first episode of you know the violence between them. There was that I don't think that qualifies as the wrestling with God. Because all God had to do was boop and, right, and, and match right. was over. 
But it's, it's interesting that the angel doesn't touch his shoulder and say, let go of me. Boop. It's, he allows him to cling. Mm -hmm. But now this clinging is, is not something that is for a second or two, but rather a continual. I'm Come not going to let you go I like that. until I sense wow. you touched my mm -hmm. soul, until I sense I have your blessing. Mm -hmm. I don't want you to keep me from Esau. I don't want you to preserve my goods. What I need is what I've been trying to re receive through deception and my own means because that's what he wanted from his dad, right? The blessing, mm -hmm. but now he realized all my ways, my broad ways mm -hmm. of obtaining things have failed me. Right. Now I realize that there's one narrow way and that narrow way is you. Wow. And I'm not going to let you go until you, you fulfill. There's the seeking, there's the knocking, there's the asking. It's wrestling. Wrestling with God, knowing that I have got to have Him. Yeah, I've got to. You know, I'm desperate now. I know now that there's nothing that I've done that got me anywhere but disaster. And I have to. I, I'm, I'm wounded. I can't. Now I need Him uh, to hold me up physically, but also there's nothing that I can't do without the. Now that's Jesus. the dangerous part, I think, because. Um, I'm transitioning to Peter, yeah. right? He's asking Jesus to empower him to do something he knows physically, physiologically, he cannot do, which is walk on water. Lord, if it's be you, command me that I come to you and walk on water. And the most dangerous thing for Peter because of his sinful nature was that he took steps and he didn't sink. Mm. And then he forgot. The only reason I can step on water and not sink is because I have my eyes mm. on the one that the blessing comes right. from. And the moment he takes his eyes off, he sinks. Mm. So this um, finding the narrow way and staying, entering and mm -hmm. staying in the narrow way, I believe is the, the crux of the issue. Many people may even find mm. the right way and walk away from it and turn back to the, the, the Broadway. Mm -hmm. The rich young ruler finds the way, Jesus, and says, Lord, uh, what do I need to enter into eternal life? And Jesus says one thing, and he turns away. Yeah, the gospel, all the gospels that record that says, and the rich young ruler turned away sorrowful. Yeah, disappointed. So <laughs> right. he he found it, but he didn't enter it. Mm. And there are those that entered it but walked away like Judas Iscariot. Mm -hmm. yeah. So it's entering and staying and pressing and mm -hmm. enduring, like you said earlier, Jelani. Mm -hmm. But that is not, you know, now that you've accepted Christ by faith, now through the grit and pulling your own bootstraps, <laughs> now you're going to stay a Christian. No, no, no. He's no. remembering that any step in your Christian journey will only be achieved as you focus on Christ, right. as you stay connected, dependent, waking up every morning saying, Lord, I had a pretty decent day yesterday. Right. I recognized the temptations and I cried out to you. Today's no different. Hebrews 12 says that sin will easily entangle me today. Right. And the track record of Hebrews 11 shows that some of these guys like Samson almost lost it. You know, Samson, one of the verses that spooked me about Samson when I was younger um, was that he, he um, the Bible says he did not know that the, the Lord had departed from him. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. That spooked me because I'm thinking, I could be coming to church, I could be doing things for the Lord, I could be doing all these things, <clears throat> but have allowed Satan to separate me so much from God that I don't even sense that he's gone there anymore. Mm -hmm. It's like one time I had someone on the phone with me, this is back when Bluetooth headsets were the thing, and uh, I had purchased one, mm -hmm. and I think it was my parents. And um, I was doing laundry or something, and I put the person, I said, hey, hold on a second, I need to do this. 
And as I was doing those things, I totally forgot that person was <laughs> still on the phone. <laughs> Ten minutes later, the person's like, are you done yet? I said, like, what? What? All right, who's that? I forgot. Wow. You forgot. Yep. I forgot. So we can get caught up with the 16-hour shifts. Distracted. And, and all these issues, mm -hmm. you know, camp meetings and laundries and sick kids and budgets and things like that, that we don't even realize that we left Jesus behind. Yep. You know, even his own parents. The Bible is a beautiful book of reality about our reality. That Joseph and Mary left church. Didn't even recognize. Left Jesus that. in church. And didn't notice mm -hmm. until three right. days later. No. So that, that to me is mm -hmm. the, the issue. Um, Jesus th does not put the way somehow way mysteriously hidden somewhere, right? Jesus is not saying you know, that, that few find it because it's difficult to find. It's few find it because so few look for it. Right. But the moment you start searching, boom, you, you realize, like you say, I love that illustration, John, that the gospel goes to all. So wherever you may find yourself, God, Jesus will meet you there mm -hmm. and he'll start guiding you to the path of humility and self-denial. And it doesn't sound nice, right? It doesn't sound good. Right now we're trying to convince Anaya that the medicine that she needs to expectorate and do all those things is good for her. Mm -hmm. <laughs> but she puked it twice already. Because she tastes it and doesn't like it no, right. at all. So it's, it's not tasty, but the effects are good. And to us, self-denial is the nastiest thing <laughs> we could ever taste. But I, I think to some degree, Johnny mentioned this, you do reach a point where your taste adjusts. Absolutely. And you yeah. begin to develop new tastes. Mm -hmm. um, the individuals that go up to Jesus and say, when did we do this to you? When did we do this to you? I wonder if they started out that way. I wonder if they started out in a different path, but continued doing them until, until they began to realize, I'm doing this out of pride. I'm doing this out of brownie points. Lord, I don't want to stop doing them, but I'm realizing that I'm doing it with selfishness attached I to I think it. that's absolutely what they were doing because they reached a point where they said, when? When do we do it? Which means they were doing it at some point. They were... Uh, and they were waiting for the acknowledgement, but yeah. but that never happened. And, and I think they, but because they reached a, a, a different plateau, or not plateau, but a different spot. And the question is, would they have reached that point had they not never started? No. So we, we talked earlier, right? I mentioned how um, this path of self-denial is not just a um, individualistic, you know, I'm out there by myself on the narrow way. But Paul speaks about, we have a cloud of witnesses, and we are collective and we have a church and we've just finished nominating committee and I was so happy to see how, how the, I think all of our new members from the last five years have accepted positions and some of them even the majority of them leadership positions mm -hmm. and at the same time my heart breaks to see that many of the members that have been here for a long time I don't know why for whatever reasons they may have they yet have not chosen to be part of this, be part of the cloud of witnesses. And to some degree, I think what kept me for many years accepting being a deacon or being a committed, you know, involved deacon or Sabbath school teacher was that I just didn't have time, bro. Yeah. I mean, the pastor was crazy. I'm like, brother, don't you know that I'm busy? I'm doing nursing school and I'm doing this and that. It never dawned on me that everybody else that was doing stuff in the church also was busy, also had tight schedules, also had sick kids. And at that time, I was a bachelor. And so self-denial is a very um, real experience that is not experienced only in your head. 
it affects you in your house. You guys talked about, you know, the, the wife and the children should be able to testify to this. To some degree, so should the church. Right. In that if you've been here for 10, 15 years, somewhere along the lines, I am confident Jesus approached you through, through somebody and said, we have needs in our church. We have needs in our Sabbath school department for the children. We have need in the hospitality. We have needs here. We have needs in the school. And what has been my response? Because what Jesus has been bringing to us is the way. Mm -hmm. right. It's that narrow way of, yeah. I know you're busy. Yeah. I know you don't have time. Yeah. But just like I sent my prophet to that widow that was collecting two sticks mm -hmm. to feed her son, I know I knew how much flour and oil she had. Yeah. And I explicitly told the prophet, tell her, you make my bread, that bread, for me first. Mm -hmm. You make it for me first, then go ahead and make mm -hmm. it for yourself. So God knows all of us, our biggest commodity is time, and that is the least that we have to offer to the Lord. And yet God says, give it. Give of yourself. Um, I've placed in you gifts. I've placed in you convictions. I've placed in you abilities that are essential for the church to function. A lot of times this self-reliance thing is what we're doing. And, and so we are not trusting God to provide for this area in our lives. So we need to step in and do this. We're not trusting him to provide this amount of money for this need. So I need to step in. And so our, me being one of the ones that were, <laughs> that was resisting or not willing to give of my time to God, it was because I was unwilling to rely or trust him in every area of my mm. life that he would come through. Mm -hmm. You see what I'm saying? That I somehow had to participate in this thing to, to, to help myself financially or, or you know, all those things. And, and I think that that's what you're saying. That at some point, we have to trust and rely on God to take care of us. And our time, we should give to God. Um, the least we should do is, is give to God. But it also helps in this process of staying on the narrow path. If you're working for him, if you're um, involved in the gospel, if you're teaching, if you're uh, whatever capacity you can using your efforts to push the kingdom so this idea is not simply a theological or belief system is a lifestyle a element and it applies to every aspect of our lives yes, which sir. is a paradox because it's a broad application of a very narrow way of living so what we end up looking at is Jesus asks us to trust him mm -hmm. to follow him to surrender to Him, to allow Him to empower us to take the steps of faith that will transform us. And our family and our church should be able to testify to that. <laughs>